Before we get started, sure. let, me just, let me just say that uh, there are two ways to raise good kids. One is to follow the Bible's instructions and to trust God. Second way is to marry a good woman. And uh, I did both. And so, <laughs> and so I married a, a good godly mother and Kathy gets a lot, all the credit really. The Lord and Kathy are uh, why our kids turned out well. And so uh, study your Bible, but also marry a good woman. Go ahead. That's awesome. Um, so the first question is about teenagers and young adults. What room is there in the scripture for, and this is in quotes, picking your battles? In other words, for middle school, teens, young adult children living in one's home, is the biblical standard for obedience still relevant? How can parents navigate allowing their kids growing up to develop their autonomy and their walk with the Lord while keeping them accountable to your home's rules? It's a long one. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Kathy's got a great answer for that. <laughs> As she has had great answers for all my questions. Uh, picking your battles. Boy, I wish you could pick your battles, but you really, you really can't always pick your battles. Sometimes the battles come to you. You've got, you've got to step up and, and uh, deal with it, but Well, I guess the thing is, is what are you battling? Um, picky eaters, picky dresser, you know, you know, if they don't like broccoli anymore, I, as a teenager, I would probably would not force them to eat it. As a eight-year-old, I would make them eat it. <laughs> Those kind of battles I would not pick, but standards of principles like um, boys should look like boys in their style and girls should be modest in their style so that... Uh, that's a battle I always picked as far as uh, dresses, uh, dressing, not dresses. Um, but um, as long as our kids were under our roof, they had the same standard, the same uh, curfews. Uh, especially the oldest one came back from college and all of a came sudden... Came back from Bible college. Yeah, all of a sudden he thought that um, because he was um, occupying a room, uh, living in our home, that he had all his own new rules and we made sure his life was really uncomfortable because it was time for him to move out. <laughs> and so he had the same midnight uh, curfew because nothing good happens after midnight. And so they had to be in our house by midnight. And he just didn't like those rules. And we were like, okay, then... Get a job. Get a, well, he had a job. He was working for you, but... You should... <laughs> That's true, didn't he? You, you should have paid him more. Nice. <laughs> But, that um, wasn't gonna happen. But um, <laughs> he got a roommate. But the thing is, 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 we had younger children, and we couldn't have two standards. The standards were the same um, all the way across the. And we picked, we battled. We had some really good battles at our house, uh, knock out, drag out battles um, for righteousness. But we won. And um, we won them. No, God won them, dear. God won them. <laughs> That's what I'm telling him. That's what I'm telling you. All right. Our next question here is, uh, you had mentioned reason, rope, I've already uh, got rod. 
Um, what is a teenage equivalent of uh, giving a reason, giving them rope, giving them the rod? How do I know how much rope to give a teenager? Yeah, uh, you can take that cell phone away. That's, that's, to me, that's a big motivation, that cell phone. Uh, keys to that car, that's a huge motivation. Mm-hmm. We had one kid that, um, he was a roller hockey, and they loved their roller hockey oh, yeah, um, cool. curls, and he had curls in his hair, and you already explained that. Had long hair. They, the, the whole culture, they all had kind of long they hair. They had hair pull out their hockey habit. Anyway, he wasn't a very good student, and I figured if he really liked his hair, he would study longer and harder. So we told him, if he didn't make all A's or B's, I would cut his hair. Well, he tested me. He did not. So he says, are you really going to cut his hair? And I had no better joy in my heart because I took that buzzer and I just cut that hair. It was like, I'm I think you took, business. Didn't you take the dog shears? I, did, I, I didn't The, the shears that you cut the dog with? Yeah. I think she did that with his... But I took great joy in showing him my word. He can count on it because it's the same principle if God says no or you need to do X, Y, and Z. I want him to be able to see that God has consequences to our disobedience, our belligerence. And he, disobe- he it wasn't that he wasn't capable, okay? He didn't have learning disabilities. He didn't. He just was He lazy. knew what he was doing. He, he, yeah, he knew exactly what he was it doing. It was defined. I'll see if my mama will cut my hair or not. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she buzzed it. I mean, she just buzzes. He looked like Zach. He looked like Zach. <laughs> when she was done, it was, uh, it was, she, before, before you started, she looked like, he looked like Amanda, and afterwards he looked like Zach. Moving around. Okay. But he, he knew he meant business. Mm-hmm. He knew he meant business. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you, when you do these kinds of things with your kids and you, you stay true to your word, I mean, it's, it's intimidating. And you think, what's going to happen? Is this child going to never speak to me again? Is this child going to pack a bag and leave? I mean, what, what's, what's this child going to do? And, and, um, he was 12, okay? He was only 12. We still, I mean, still you're worried. You know, what, what, how's this child going to react? And, uh, but I don't know. Our, our, our kids understood that we cared. I think I think when when this happened, our our son understood that we cared about him, we loved him, and, and we loved him enough not to to let him just uh, do what he wanted to do. There were consequences to his actions, and we were willing to we were willing to uh, take on those consequences. Mm-hmm. wasn't easy for us either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the next question here is: uh, It says, "I feel lost." and I don't know how to approach a solution to my daughter's change of attitude at home. Since she started working, I noticed negative, the negative influence of her coworkers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a very stressful job, and now she wants to constantly travel with them. Uh, she knows the truth. She grew up in church, but she seems she's losing faith uh, and patient in waiting for the Lord's blessings in her life and seeking it in the world, including for a husband. Mm-hmm. My reaction at first is that when I found out that she even went on a date with an unbeliever was to panic. Please, I need advice. Hmm. 
Well, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more about, uh, you know, what age she is and, and uh, whether she's starting now. She's working this job. It sounds like to me this might be, she might have graduated from college and now has a career job and she's paying her bills and, and that, kind of, that kind of a situation. I don't, um, it'd be interesting to know whether it's that kind of a job or whether it's uh, she working at the burger joint mm -hmm. or something, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if she's, um, you know, if she's still, if, if it's a part-time job, if she's still under my roof, if she's still on my, uh, in my, living off my paycheck, I'm going to take a much more aggressive approach in terms of, you know, steering her and, and guiding her and, and letting her know what, what limitations are here. Mm -hmm. um, but if she's, say, graduated from college and, you know, she's, paying her own bills now and kind of gotten her living her own life then I'm going to be a little bit more limited in terms of of what I can say and how I can how I can go about it mm -hmm. uh, when you think this is the power of a praying woman mm -hmm. this when it comes down to this mother's heart is obviously um, you know to know the truth and to live out the truth is is always the problem of maturity mm -hmm. and um having faith that God has that child, that, that daughter um, in his hands and he's going to take care of it, just making sure. Your prayer is the best solution to this one in that sense. And giving the good godly advice that only a mother can give. Sharing your heart, I'm sure that this mother's probably sought out the world um, in wrong ways in her past and maybe she can share or maybe you can have a friend share with her or you know, get her around some other people. Um, I know you guys have a lot of resources here at this church, um, but I think probably this is where it comes to prayer. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like to me this mom and daughter have a good friendship together. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would certainly uh, press into that friendship and, and sit down with my daughter and, and talk, try to talk to her about some of these issues. Mm -hmm. But maybe not so much from a parent's perspective, but as a Hey, we're friends. We, we, I love you, and, and this is what I see happening. And, and can we can we talk about this? You know, take her, uh, take her out to dinner one night, or or maybe go on a a, a, a trip or something together, where where the two can discuss these kinds. It sounds like they have a good relationship, and they can discuss some of these things. Um, a lot again, a lot depends on on. Uh, as they get older and as they begin to, to move away from mom and dad, you know, the, the, your, thing, your attitude changes and your relationship changes. And I think you, uh, you, you no longer have the same leverage mm -hmm. to, to deal with some of these issues as, as you once d did and the child's on their own. They're gonna make their own decisions, live their own life. And you, you take more of a supportive role at that point mm -hmm. than you do necessarily a, a you know, a, a authoritative role. Yeah. Those transitions are difficult. You, you were great at this, Kath. You were great at this. Were? Well, you, you still are, yeah. yeah. You still are. <laughs> I'm already. Kath, Kath is great at, uh, Kath was great with babies. She was really great with babies, and she's really great with adult kids. I'm great with everything in between, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. She's great with everything in between, but she was really great with the babies, and she was really great with the adult kids. And you, you were able to just transition uh, from, from uh, 
authoritative role to friend, colleague, uh, role in the in our kids' lives. Well, that's lives. because you never took off the "I'm in charge" hat. Well, I know, I know. That's, that's my problem, and I and that, I just that's never the could. Problem of adult children, they don't want you to be in charge anymore. Yeah, yeah. I saw all the mistakes they were making, you know, and and I just kind of wanted to fix things. And that's that you can't have that attitude as they get older and as they get out on their own. You you got to become more their friend, more their colleague, uh, than than remain. You know, an authority in their life. So changes. Yeah. Speaking of changes, uh, should I encourage my middle school, high school children to date? Uh, should I allow them to? What's a, an age to let them date? <laughs> well, like Kathy said, you don't ever encourage them to date. <laughs> <laughs> you don't encourage them to date. You may allow it uh, under certain, with certain guidelines and certain, um, you know, with certain uh, parameters, but, but you wouldn't encourage it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Never middle school. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're mature enough. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I know it's been a while since I had a middle schooler in my home, but I don't, I have middle school grandchildren now and I cannot imagine. No, no. But, um, they think they're old. They think they're mature enough. They, you know, a lot of our approach to parenting was the greenhouse effect. And I thought it was my responsibility to keep my kids in a greenhouse and make sure that their roots were planted deep, deep into the soil so that when the greenhouse effect was removed slowly that they had strong enough roots that they wouldn't be dried out or tossed to and fro or uprooted. And that was different for each child. Some stayed longer in that greenhouse because of their own maturity, um, or immaturity, should I say. And, and then some wanted a bigger fishbowl to swim in, and so they were given a little bit more freedom. And that's the hardest part about parenting is, like Sandy was saying, it's not cookie cutter, and you've got to know. So. For, for your child, it might be appropriate, and for the next family, it's inappropriate for a 15, 16-year-old. And that's why I, we've never put age standards, just because yeah. it's, it's really your situation. You're, you're, God's going to give you the wisdom to know what to do. But you just got to really, really understand that most of the times, it's what's the motive behind wanting to go off by themselves? Um, and a, on a date. That, that's where we really, that's, that's where we were limited, limited them. That very the, much the limited. Going off by themselves. And if they wanted to have friends over to the house, we, we dealt with that. If they wanted to, uh, you know, go on a date and the guy wanted to come over and meet me first. And we had all kinds of rules that, that applied to it um, that, we, that we put in place. And uh, we had a strict curfew. Um, I mean, so... It wasn't, uh, I mean, we're talking, when Natalie was dating, I mean, it was like 10 o'clock. I mean, it was like she barely had time to get an ice cream and get home, you know. I mean, here, here's the rule. I'm my daughter's not scarred. But. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the rule that I always went by. Time plus opportunity equals trouble. In, in, parent, in uh, dating, time plus opportunity equals trouble. When there's time and when there's opportunity, Too there's trouble. Now, now, when there's time and there's no opportunity, it's fine. 
You can bring your boyfriend over here to the house and let him sit on the couch with me and we'll watch a football game all day long. No big deal. There's time, but there's no opportunity. Okay, if there's opportunity, but there's no time, that's a good thing too. But what you don't want is time plus opportunity. I don't care. I don't put myself in positions with, mm. with other women mm. where there's time and opportunity. When there's time and opportunity, there's trouble. So you, you just never want to put those two things together. And uh, when your kids are dating, they, they, that's a good principle to follow. We don't want to put them in a situation where there's time plus opportunity. Mm. Let there be time, but no opportunity. Opportunity, no time, but... Not to two. I think that's uh, wonderful, the application of the standards that I have for myself, also for my sure. kids. Yeah, you know, that's mm -hmm. awesome. You said about not setting ages on it, so I'm going to kind of rephrase the next question, which is when is a good time for, how can I tell that my teen is ready for a phone? Should I monitor it? Is that an invasion of privacy? Uh, Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, invasion of privacy? They have no privacy. <laughs> Your kids have no privacy. They're living in my house under my roof, eating my food. You know, you got no privacy. You know. Amen. I like that. It's yeah. short. <clears throat> Maybe in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the shower, but. <laughs> um, sometimes, I, and, and I've, I've seen this, so I, I'm, I'm asking the question, but I've seen sometimes, I mean, the, we're so blessed that. Our youth, uh, they love youth events, they love youth camp, um, and uh, it seems sometimes struggling to find what's the right rope to give a teenager when they're uh, not being, uh, when they're needing rope, sometimes a parent will uh, want, think, what if I just prevent them from going to this youth event or yeah. youth camp? What do you, what? Terrible, that's a terrible, terrible idea. Terrible yeah. idea. The question is, should I discipline my teenage son by not allowing him to go to the, a youth event or camp? You want him to go to church. You want them to be involved in church stuff. Labor, hardcore labor is what teenage boys need. Yeah, yeah. Make them work. Work them. Punish them by working them. Make them run up and down the street when they had too much energy. They'd be 10 years old. I'd make them run up I'd and down I'd make them the do push-ups. I'd make them do push-ups. They had too much energy, so. Yeah, we, we, but you don't want to deprive them. You don't want to punish them by depriving them what's going to be good for them. I mean, you want them to come to church. You want them to want to come to youth group. You, you want them to be involved in, in the church activities. The next time they'll do You don't want to punish them by, that, by taking well, that away. Well, they might act out so they don't have to go next time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You never know. But, uh, yeah, you can find other ways of disciplining your kids other than taking away uh, the things that are good for them. I mean, Next question says, my son loves sports. He's active in a great team, but he, lately the games coincide with church or youth group. Is it wrong to keep him in the team? Mm. Well, we faced this quite a bit because we had um, mm -hmm. ended up with two collegiate athletes in our house. So we've been through the gamut of high-level sports and high-level obligation that that requires. And our coaches always knew um, the standard Sometimes we would be out of town, and if we were out of town, uh, I was the one that would do the transporting. Sunday mornings, we always found a church to go to, and they always knew. You know, they have 8 o'clock service churches everywhere now. You know, our coach knew that we would be there after church. And you know what? 
it was very respected. And if your coach is not going to respect that, then you might want to find a new team. But um, like I said, we had a lot of different sports and coaches and never found it a problem. And uh, my kids never gave me a hard time about going to church, and they're all still actively involved in church. And I think it was because that standard, even ball plus God works. It's not just ball. It's God plus. And um, I know it's a difficult thing, though, because we have um, grandkids that are now in the same situation. And um, I'm playing that role in that their life again. We'll go to church in the morning, and I take them to ball because their parents are at church, and he's at church. So, which has been wonderful. I know one of these questions talk about how do you communicate with your um, teenage Let me, let me just say one other thing. I know uh, my assistant pastor, his daughter played uh, high-level softball, and she missed some. She missed like church on Sunday mornings a good bit, but she was all. She would always be there on Sunday night. She would always be there at some, some church service during the day. Mm-hmm. Or if she missed the, the early church, so she'd be there. We had two services on Sunday morning, so they'd always be there for one of the church services. So, um, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And we just tried to make it a real point to where we were just going to try to make this thing work. And, and if it ever came down to, hey, we're going to make a decision to follow God or, or play ball, we're going to follow God. I mean, it's just, there's no, no question, but... Uh, and my kids understood that, but they, um, but it, it was something we, 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 we loved them and we, we wanted to do what was best for them, not just because I'm the pastor at the church or not just because, uh, we, we, we wanted to, we wanted to, to let them know that we cared about their concerns as well. Mm-hmm. So we tried to balance it all out. So th- this next question that Kathy was referring to is, does a, does a, how does a mom communicate, have meaningful conversations with her teenage sons who tend to only have one-word answers? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> well, I, um, for some reason, we're an athletic family, and so ball became a big part of life, and Sandy was always the coach. So they do the baseball, and Sandy was the coach, and I was just beyond the sideline. And I wasn't having a lot of interaction with my boys. And so I decided with the, the last two, I had really missed out on some relationship with Zach, my older one, because I didn't have that connection. And so I um, was a tennis player, and so I picked up tennis again and taught my boys how to play tennis. And the main thing was so that I would go and do something with them that they enjoyed doing. And that's what opened them up. Um, On our way to the courts or on the way home or on the court, we would just talk about this, that, and the other, and they would relax. But they're not, they're always going to give you these one, one word answers. That's just, that's the wiring. You know, and so you've got to get them whatever. If it's art, then you enjoy art with them. But you've got to meet them where they're at, where they're comfortable. And then you just be surprised that after a while they won't shut up Um, because they're in their territory. They're in their they're not under interrogation. And I think sometimes kids, especially boys, feel like mom. But um, I don't know. I love boys. I'm a boy mom. I, we did more fort making. I would take them to Home Depot and buy 
wood and, and that kind of thing um, far more. But but the conversation didn't come from just sitting down, let's have a chit chat. The conversation right, right. came from interaction. And so, yeah, it takes a lot more work than girls who just want to sit and chit chat. But um, it's a lot more fun to be a mom of boys like that. So since you're not a mom, you can't answer that one. No, I can't. But that's really true. I mean, you, you, you did a great job with that. Boy, I, I like this. <laughs> Say that again. You did a great job with that. You did a great job with that. You did a great job with that. Uh, how do you repair the relationship with your children after making many mistakes as a parent? Uh, you just say you're sorry. You, 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 you say you're sorry. You, you apologize. You, you humble yourself. You swallow your pride. And you just you confess when you blow it. I mean, you just got to confess. You got to be real. You got to be honest. And, uh, and, and you're, you're fooling yourself. You don't think you make mistakes. I mean, we, get, we lose our temper, we get upset, we go too far. I'm still saying I'm sorry. There's times now when, um, you know, overstep my bounds and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a granddad and I step in a situation and I see them raising their kids differently than the way I raised my kids. And I say, what are you doing? And I, and I have to stop myself and catch myself and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I apologize, guys. I, you know, you're doing a good job, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, we make mistakes. We just gotta confess them. And we gotta be honest and ask for forgiveness. And our kids love us and they, they'll, they'll forgive us. That's awesome. Um, now there's a, our, Prodigal kids, a sign of parenting failure. Oh, no. No, no, no. Well, how can you say that? Uh, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. It wasn't because he made a mistake. I mean, God was, a, was the ultimate father. I mean, he, he, made, he didn't make a mistake. And yet Adam and Eve still rebelled. I don't think uh, if you have a prodigal kid, I mean, you may have made mistakes. I'm sure you made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But it's not, uh, you, you can't lay that blame on, on the person. Kids have a free will. They make their own decisions. And uh, as I said earlier in the, in the seminar, you know, uh, there are no guarantees when it comes to raising kids. Well, the thing is, is you might have had failings, but you're not a failure. Yeah. And there's a big difference. And I think Satan uses this um, to condemn. And it's probably one of the hardest part of adult children that you've watched um, having prodigals because you want so much for your kids and it hurts so much that they're not living to that potential and so Satan just wants to steal your joy but God still has that child wrapped up in his arms of love and and um, is going to work it work things together and keep on loving that child and accepting the child's growth a few questions on smaller children. Uh, what's a, an age, uh, an appropriate age to start spanking? Um. A little tap on the hand, tap. You know, if they're gonna go touch something is, is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way sometimes a, a little small child doesn't understand. They might understand no, but you know, the little consequences, because you'd rather have them feel a little sting on the hand, then get burnt. 
biological outlet. You know, it, it has to be appropriate for the but when they the look spanking, spanking, spanking. But when they look up at you, I tell you to mind your own business. They, when they look up at you and they look at you, like you're not going to tell me what to do. I mean, you can say you know. You we know when that's defiance. Apply, when apply the Board of Education <laughs> to the seat of learning. Uh, I mean, to me, to me you, you, there comes a time when your child uh, is defying your authority. And, and this is few and far between now. Yeah, well. Few and far. Yeah, You reserve probably. it for the, reserve but, for the times where it is. But when your child is defying your authority, you have to win that battle. You, you can't let that slide. You, you can't allow them to, to do that. Now, you don't necessarily have to spank them. You, there, there can be other forms of discipline that you can use. But you have to, you have to put down the revolt. You know, if, if your child uh, begins to learn that they can, that they can rebel against you and, and things will go well, they, they, they can get away with it and they can manipulate you or, or if they, if they uh, defy you and you back down and they get their way, They've won, and you've lost you know, any ability you have to lead your family. So I just think when your child defies your authority, uh, and you'll know it, you'll know it when it happens, you'll sense it, uh, there's no mistaking it, that's when you need to discipline your child. We, uh, the question is, uh, we have to spank our toddler every day. Is that too much? That's what the question says. <clears throat> Depending on the toddler. <laughs> My third one, yeah. <laughs> we spanked him every day. Well, I... Just about. I had my first two kids. They were 16 months apart. They were Zach and Natalie, and we called them our precious moments children. You know, little angelic, cherub children. And then Nick came. <laughs> and he was born at 10 pounds. And... Um, he didn't understand cause and effect too well. And, and he was very big and very strong and he didn't understand stuff like if you golf in a glass-filled garage that you might break a window. He just had he all- He broke stuff. He, but, but, but it but wasn't that, defiant. But yeah, it wasn't defiant. And, and that's not what you put it, that's not what you, you discipline a child for. You don't discipline a child for, for being a child. But he's the same one that looked him square in the eyes. Yeah. So well, he would go from back and forth. But um, I would say if you have, personally, this is just personal, and you'll know it as a mom, you'll sense it right away. If the spanking has to be done over and over and over, apparently it's not getting the message across. And so it's not the right tool of discipline for the action. And, and you'll know it because it's not working. And so maybe there's a more effective way, taking the toy away, put him in time out, um, no TV, no screen time. Whatever it is, it, the point of discipline is to change behavior. And if it's not changing behavior, then it's up to you as the parent to come up with a better, uh, ask God for wisdom because every kid's different, um, to motivate the change of behavior because that's the whole thing. You, they got to choose it's education through discipline. That, that's what they're choosing what with the for. right behavior and choosing that they don't want the consequences. And these parents, I hear, you know, do you want a spanking? Well, 
No, you don't ever ask a child that. You tell them the consequences of this behavior is going to be discipline. I always make sure they understand behavior has consequences. It is a principle in life. No matter what you, if you're speeding down the highway and there's a cop sitting there, the consequences are a blue light. And you ask for it as you blew right past them. Well, you choose. How many of you see a cop and you, what do you do? You put on the brakes. Well, that's what you're trying to teach your children too, when to put on the brakes. If I keep doing this, I'm going to get disciplined. So I better choose to put on the brakes. Stop this behavior. Stop this attitude. And if you never discipline them, they'll never know. They'll it. never learn to put on the brakes. After so many tickets, you learn. You better slow down, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. You guys act like you never got a hot speaking <laughs> ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my child cries very loudly when I say no, and they can't hear me if I speak in a calm voice. This happens at school too, and they disrupt class. How can I help them? My child often cries very loudly. We were we allowed our kids to to their room was their safe space. And, and of course, this, this is how we did it. It might not work in your house, but I figured they needed some place to express themselves, even if it was ugliness. And so if they wanted to cry and scream and holler and be ugly, sure, go to your room, close your door, cry and complain all you want in there. Well, they don't want to do that, but you'd send them there, and after a while, it was no fun, so they just shut up. And they'd come out and, you know, come out when you're going to be quiet again. So I think kids have a need to express their frustration because they don't know how to do it yet. They're still learning. I mean, we get frustrated and we don't know how to do it. But how do we expect a two-year-old to understand how to control emotions? Well, apparently yelling loudly has gotten the desired effect. Right, right. This child From knows. That child. child knows how to exactly push the buttons. Exactly how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, now in school they're going to handle it different than you are at home, and they should have that freedom. Hopefully, they're at a good school that you've given them that liberty to. But at home, if they want to cry out loud, go to your room and do it. See if that doesn't work for a while. I, you know, um, even when you, you know, you can talk in a calm voice to. Sandy can talk to me in a calm voice, but if I'm in that mood, <laughs> it don't work either. So. <laughs> he sends me to my room too, and I'm happy. <laughs> there were times when he'd come home from work, and I'd have four kids, and they were all crazy, you know. And and I would we would have a thing we called the, my parent card. You know, moms, you know that parent card. And there's times he'd walk in the door, and I say, "Here's my parent card." Huh, I'm tapping I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> and I'd give him my parent card and go to my room. And it was just like I knew I was at that point, and I'd turn over my parent card. I just turned it in. Just so I don't know. These are good questions to ask each other. You know, other kids that have you know um, same age group. You know, how do you do this? Because. Um, it can be very, especially the next question talks about in public meltdowns. 
I'll read it through. It says, how would you break down what to do in private or in public when your toddler has an absolute meltdown, crying, screaming, kicking on the floor because of something little, like opening the straw for their apple juice when they wanted to do it themselves? Uh, would it be different if it was something more defiant, like uh, you took away a toy uh, they hit their sister with? Yeah. How do you handle So meltdowns? these are two different... Meltdowns I walked away from, or I told them to go to their room. Um, I see this happening all the time with the juice thing, you know, and they just, they want it, me do, me do. They're, they're in the age of me do. And I ignored it. I said, here's the juice. I opened it. It was my choice to open it. It's, this is manipulation again. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it, and you didn't let me do it. And then we try to calm, and no, I am the mother I opened, I chose to, here's the apple juice. If you want it, you drink it. If not, I'm going and doing something else. I just, I had no, I'm a no-nonsense mom, as you could probably tell already. Of the three boys, I had to be really on top of things. Um, if we had a kid um, try to try something like that in a, a restaurant or whatever, we would pick them up, take them back out to the car, and we would deal with it in the car, and if we, they need a spanking, give them a spanking and bring them back in. In make the them car. In the car, <laughs> rather than in the restaurant. And then we bring them back in and make them sit down and, and behave themselves. Awesome. I feel like I can't discipline my child. When I do it, it just seems to backfire. They hate me more. It, there is more rebellion. How can I fix this? Well, for one thing, make sure you got the rod in the apple. Make sure both are there. Make sure the apple's there. Make sure you, your, your child knows that you love him, that, that you, you're, you're not uh, angry with him, that you care about him, that you love him, that you, you want to do good things and put good things in his life. Both are needed. And we don't want to emphasize one over the other because both, both are needed in a child's life. That would be the first thing to think about. Mm -hmm. And do not grow weary in well-doing. There seems like seasons of our children where it's just one thing after another. And you can get really, really tired, especially if you're working outside the home full time. You come home and you're just tired. And you have to realize it's not their fault you're tired. And you've got sometimes just to, to pull from God's strength to be that mom and, um, and realize this too shall pass. It's just a season. They're just testing you and you, and, and there's sometimes that you just have to tell the kids, you know, we're just all so tired. Can we just have a ceasefire for a while? You know, let's just chill out. Or, or if they're constantly needing discipline in that sense, you know, maybe it's time for some fun as a family. Hmm. Some go shoot some hoops or do something fun, something that resets the family joy again. Um, because you can have those seasons of conflict. Someone shake your head. It's not. <laughs> you know, if you, some of you moms understand this. It just sounds like you're just like, you know, reset. Let's just have a reset, you know. Just. I tell you, it's tough. When we, at one time, I mean, we had, I mean, we had, we have four teenagers. I mean, that's tough. It's tough living in that, in that environment. And. There were days when I, I would feel like, man, I'm doing everything I can for this family. Nobody appreciates it. And, and it just gets, it can get discouraging. Um, but let me just say, um, those kids know you love them and, and they care about, 
and they, and they know you care about them. And um, um, just hang in there. It, it'll pay off at some point down the road. It'll, it'll pay off. Uh, when I turned 60, we had a big birthday party and um, all my kids came and told me how much they loved me and how much they appreciated all that, that I'd done for them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll take those things. You know, I felt, I felt like, I, well, the, mm-hmm. this is my reward. I mean, this is my reward for, for those years. But it's, it's hard. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, you, you've got you to gotta stick with it. But that's what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you didn't want to do it, you shouldn't have. Well, you shouldn't have done what you did. <laughs> but, but you did it, and uh, you signed up for it, and so it is, it is what it is, and so you, you've got you to stick thing with it. No question was asked, but I think it's a principle. Um, talking about the apple, making sure, you know, the older my kids got, there were certain things I would make sure that I underst- they understood that I had faith that they would make the right choices. That I believed that God had entrusted them with the ability to make the right choices. That I believed in them. It wasn't, now make the right choices, you know, me, 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 me. It was like, I can't wait to hear how you made the right choices. I want to see the fruit of making the right choices and still in them the confidence that you have in them. Do they know that you're confident in them as a child of God and the empowering of the spirit within them? They need to know um, so much more about that aspect. Not that they're good athletes or whatever. That's good. But um, my kids kind of, I kind of like to pump them up that God had a, such a grand plan for their lives that he was going to equip them and that he's given them a church to belong to that will equip them, that he's given them parents and friends to equip them and that they had their whole life in front of them. So, so today's going to make the best day, you know, trust God. So don't cheat on your test. Don't, you know what I mean? Make the best. And, and I, I think just... that really helped our kids along the way because they thought, they knew that we, we believed in them. We believed that God had something good for them. And so they started to believe it too. You know, because they're getting torn down in this world that they just, don't even know if they're a boy or a girl for crying out loud. You know, that decision God made for them, the end. Right? Right? <laughs> that's one decision that we didn't, that's, Besides coming to faith, that's the one decision God did not give mankind. And that's now the one decision that they, mankind thinks we're taking back. Mm-hmm. God already decided your, your um, identity. You so know, the, the, early, the earlier question was uh, uh, for, the, for the teenager, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you, how do you discipline the teen, teenager? And uh, the thought that just, the illustration that just hit me was uh, when Mac had his accident. We had a, we had a, our youngest. I went out. He 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 had gone through a great stretch, and I wanted to reward him. I wanted to bless him. I went out and bought him a new truck. A new used it was a truck. New used truck. Our yeah. kids all drove jalopies. Yeah. I mean, because they're going to wreck them anyway. So. So I went out and bought him a, a, a truck, and he and he had this truck for for a, a little while, and then he was on his cell phone, ran a red light, and totaled it out. Well, well, 
well, let me go back. Before he was driving the, the truck, he was driving a Grand Marquis. You know what a Grand Marquis looks like? It's they're, not, they're ghetto cars in it's our not area. It's not a 16 year old, it's not a 16 year old's dream car. It's not a 16 year old's dream car. Somebody had given it to me. Somebody at the church had given it to me. People give him us our old, their so, old cars because it's too hard. And so I had, I had him in this Grand Marquis. It's horrible. I had rusted out. It was rusted out and all the rest. And, and, so, and so that was the deal. I mean, I, I said, okay, son, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a, a better car. I'm going to get you a truck. So I bought him this truck. So he, he's driving his truck, drives through a red light, crashes the truck. And so I put him back in the Grand Marquis. And, he, and, and then I got the reimbursement from the truck and bought me a new truck. <laughs> I bought me a new truck with the insurance money and put him back in the Grand Marquis. And I said, you were on the cell phone. You, you messed up. This is the consequences of what you're doing. You're gonna gr- drive this Grand Marquis uh, for another. He drove two more years, drove it into college. Uh, but he'll go, he'll, you talk to him about that today and he'll go back and he'll, he'll tell you that that was one of the most formative things that, that uh, he, been, he went through because he, uh, he realized he'd made a mistake and he realized the consequences of it. And today he's the only one in the family that drives the nicest car in the family, doesn't he? <laughs> that he's paying for himself. That he's paying for himself. What a success. I think the, the next two questions uh, were, were answered in one way or another. Uh, I'd like to, before we run out of uh, time, maybe look at some of these other topics. Um, uh, how do you come to an agreement with your spouse about your children's upbringing? What if your spouse is an unbeliever? Well, that's hard. I mean, that's hard. And... Uh, you, there's compromises that you that you'll have to make. I would I would just uh, if my spouse was an unbeliever, uh, I would want to make sure that when we talked about these issues, that I came to the table with the things that were really important to me, the things that that were that I felt like were uh, things that would make a difference in my child's salvation. I would want to make sure that those got factored into the equation. And, and then there's other things that, that uh, my unbelieving spouse, would, would, I would have to work, work on. I mean, it's, uh, you're unequally yoked. And that, this is a frustration. This is a challenge. And um, that's, why, that's why the Bible tells us that, that, the, that the person who's unequally yoked, uh, that believers shouldn't be unequally yoked to an unbeliever, but uh, sometimes, sometimes that's unavoidable. But even yoked together in the Lord, I think raising kids brings out um, marital yeah, issues. That's true. And is most challenging on marriages because my role as a mother is the cheerleader and protector, the nurturer um, from that perspective. And Sandy's role is much different. And there's many times that we conflicted over it. I had a different way of disciplining that particular situation and he had a different idea too. And um, needless to say, there was times that we disagreed on that. And unfortunately, we didn't always disagree um, in private or um, appropriately, I think. Uh, There's no privacy. No privacy. Not at the Adams house, even in the shower. But uh, um, 
that's where that's where a lot of seeking the Lord together as a family and realizing the potential it can have on your marriage. Um, that's why you see a lot of couples once their kids get out of yeah. high school or in high school they they break up, and it's because of the kids and the conflicts, and no one wanted to give in, and no one, the wife didn't want to respect how the husband wanted to do it, and vice versa, and it's. Um, I think that was the hardest period of married life for us, um, looking back. It was. Um, but that's where... Um, it's always good to remember, I'm going to live with her longer than I'm going to live with those kids. That's, that's my plan. And he's still living. That's my plan. <laughs> my plan is to live with her longer than I was going to live with those kids, so... We need to work it out. They well, need to... the thing is, is I was raising husbands. I know people always said, well, you're raising your boys. I said, no, I want to raise boys that when their wives um, will rise up and call me blessed <laughs> because I equipped them to be good husbands. And, and you did. And he, his goal was to make sure that they were men, they were men in the workforce to be good providers and good men and good leaders. And so our roles and our approaches were very different to parenting with the same principle. But you know what I'm saying, the same, you understand. Thank you, someone nodded at me. <laughs> so, um, and I, I did raise some really good husbands. They knew how to cook and clean and the, my daughter-in-laws, they love me now. Um, and they all work hard and, and, uh, and yeah, they love make you good too. living, yeah. <laughs> How do you <clears throat> how do you handle grandparents that spoil your kids? You just get out of their way, let them do it. <laughs> now that I'm a grandparent, but but I'll never forget that my dad. That's not that was really not true. That's really not true because Kathy would get so upset. We'd bring him over to my dad's house and. Uh, my dad would feed them chocolate. I mean, he'd just feed them chocolate like they were, like it was going out of style. Like, I mean, he just, like a chocolate dump, you know, he, those they kids. They would let him eat the biscuits before they ate their vegetables. He had That's those little Andy candies. You, you know the little Andy candies? He'd have a his refrigerator was stacked full of those things. And the kids would come over and they'd go in the refrigerator and he'd just let them eat those little little chocolate candies. Kathy got upset about it. And, and I had to go over... Um, I had to go over and confront him about it. I said, Dad, I said, Kathy does not like these kids coming home all hyped up on chocolate. And you gotta stop it. He said, I'm not stopping anything. They're my, gra they're my grandkids. He said, I'll sue you. No kidding, he threatened to sue me. I said, you can't sue me. You're, you're a grandparent. I'll sue you. I'll, I'll never forget that night. I was in his driveway. I was in his driveway, and I'm sitting there trying to tell him, you can't hype my kids up on Andy's candies and send them home like this. And um, so, but, but it was either confront my dad or deal with Kathy, and I wanted and to confront my dad. still living with me. I figured I was going to live with Kathy longer than I was going to live with my dad. So, um, so I went, went to the bat 
you know, and just confronted him he on it. He struck out, but oh well. <laughs> and and he, he changed. I mean, he changed over time, sort of, sort of changed. <laughs> um, the next question came in. Now, uh, now, 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 though, it's <laughs> now, though, I'm the granddad. And so here's what they do. The moment those kids hit the house, the moment they walk through the front door, they come running. Gee, daddy, gee, that's what they call me, gee, daddy. Gee, daddy, gee, daddy, angel's food cake, angel's food cake. <laughs> and uh, at Kroger, they, they make these angel food cakes. They're in the little tub. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're in a little tub. You pop the top. And, you, and so, gee, daddy, gee, daddy, angel's food cake. And so I'll, I always have one sitting next to the sink. And I'll pop the top on the angel food cake. And they come in and they just, they just grab with their hand. They just grab a chunk <laughs> of angel food cake out. <laughs> And go off, run off, and I just Not laugh. Apes. I laugh, <laughs> and their and their and their parents just shake their head, you know. And I, just, I said, "That's that's what grandparents do." Anyway, next question. Uh, this question came in during the uh, during the uh, the seminar. It says, oh, "How do we parent this way?" You know, the the rod. Uh, well, this is now a test for me. Um, the rope, the rod, and the reason. Reason. <laughs> open rod and uh, and PTA um, if we come from unbelieving parents and they did all the contrary with us yeah I think I think you decide how you want to raise your kids you decide how you want to raise your kids and you you uh, you realize that um, you realize the purpose of a parent and you and you work it out you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and you work it out. I, I, I think if you, if you don't remember anything else I said, the purpose of a parent is to teach your children obedience and respect, and that is unheard of in our society today. Um, you know, but, but that is the purpose of a parent, and uh, we're, we're, we've grown, we're producing a whole culture today of people who who lack any obedience or respect for anything. And in the quality of our lives are, are deteriorating as a result. We need, we need parents that will, that will raise good kids and kids that, that uh, know how to respect uh, each other people and know how to obey the parameters that, that are on their life. We all have parameters that we have to live within. And we need, we need to redevelop a society of people who, uh, who believe in these things. I mean, the job, and, that, and it all goes back to the home. It all goes back to the family. This is our job as parents to teach our kids obedience and respect. And uh, how you go about doing that, you know, we've talked about today, but, uh, but, but understand you can't escape that calling. You, you need to do that. And whether your parents were concerned about that or not, it's beside the point. Uh, what does God say about your parenting? That's what you need to, to follow through on. Do you guys have any, uh, well, it, what is a step-parent's role? And then the next question is kind of like it. Any advice for adoptive parents? Well, adoptive parents, are, uh, this is, they should be applauded. They should be, uh, we, we thank the Lord for all the adopted parents. And, and children need to know that, uh, that if they're an adoptive child, uh, they are special. They're, they are loved. They should always know that, that they were wanted. 
uh, an adopted child should always know that they're wanted and they're loved and they're appreciated. And, and the, the fact that a, a parent has taken the time to, to adopt a child and actually make a child his own, that, that's the ultimate sacrifice. And that uh, family should be applauded and appreciated and helped every way that they can. We have several uh, couples in our church that have adopted parents and uh, they have a whole church behind, behind them that's helping them <coughs> in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and it, any advice for what a step-parent's role would be, like a, in, in a blended family or that kind of a thing? A lot of that goes back to the um, parental consent in blended families. There are some families that... Um, physical spanking or any kind of like discipline has been already put limitations on. So a lot of that goes back to your own um, limitations. But I... I legally, you can't legally, do certain there's le- things. There's legal yeah. things that you have to adhere to. A step-parent can't do that, that, a, that a natural, natural parent can Right, could. and that has to be respected. But I think the step-parent's role, if anything, is even um, a higher calling because you've chosen when you said to marry into that family as a step parent you've you've accepted a new role um, and it, personally it, you have a higher calling because you better not mess up because mm-hmm. this was really a, a big choice um, you know you you are dad's wife are you are uh, you are dad's wife you're you're not necessarily you know the child's mom and you just got to understand that that it's a whole different thing. that the child is not going to look at you the way the husband is going to look at you, and the husband's going to want you to come. In. He may be looking for you to help your help the children, but the children may not be looking at you as mom. They, they might be looking at you. You got to just understand the dynamics here. You're you're the one that's put this together now, but you got to understand the dynamics, and you've got to be willing to to come in and earn their respect. That's the key thing. Step parents don't don't just get it by by signing on. They have to earn it, and they have they have to step into the situation, and they have to um, they have to love, and they have to prove uh, their place. And uh, I think I think a, a wise step parent's going to do that. They're not going to come in and just try to be the child's mom uh, just because they're now the, the dad's wife. They're gonna they're gonna try to earn that. They're gonna they're gonna do motherly things, but they're gonna understand that that, that they've got to earn their child that child's respect and earn that place of mom in that child's life. It's not just given to them. We I think we have time for about two more questions, um, and I'm gonna <clears throat> take them in a different order of what we have here. Um, so I, I'd like to look at this question: How can we help our kids process grief after the loss of a close family member? Hmm. Well, I can answer that because I had a life experiences. Um, I grew up in Plantation, Florida over here in the 70s, 60s and the 70s, back when, um, back when all this was just nothing <laughs> out here. Um, but my father passed away when I was a 10-year-old. And we were a believing family. And the most important thing that um, my mother instilled on us as um, we were 12, 10, and 8 at the time was the fact that God has a providential plan for all of our lives 
and that he has a desired and appointed time for life and death, and that um, this was the path that he had appointed for us to walk into, that um, I would lose my father at the age 10, and that he would give me special equipping. Um, she instilled in us uh, such a peace to know that God is in control. And yet, um, she allowed us, of course, to grieve and to understand that it would be a loss. And um, it's kind of strange because one of the reasons we, um, we're we going to go up to Fort Lauderdale from here, and um, I haven't visited my father's grave in 35 years. And um, for some reason, I think I, I want to go and see it. Uh, just because it was a loss, but it was the beginning of a relationship with God that um, was unique and very different because my God became my Abba Father as a 10-year-old. And I was afforded an opportunity to have a relationship with God that was much different than other people, which was exactly what I needed as a child of God. And I think in grieving with the loss of any family member, especially if it's grandparents, because we recently have had three of our four grandparents, um, our, his parents just passed, my stepfather passed, um, in the last few years, and so the, our grandchildren are now having to deal with that loss. And um, I think just to invoke the confidence that um, we treasure what we have had, and their memory lasts forever, forever and ever, and, um, and that God really blessed us with what we had, and, um, and it has so much value on today. Even, I mean, my father passed in 1970, and, and whoever's dealing with that loss, they're going to remember in 50 years that you always worry that their uh, grandparents or whatever, their, their memory is going to be lost. And it won't be. The impact that that grandparent had or that aunt, that uncle, that sibling will be with that child or that as an adult. And you can hold that in confidence. Um, I'm living proof. My siblings are living proof. Um, but it was because my mother instilled upon us the peace of God and his power and his providence. And I carry that with me, and I've, I, I, I teach on that a lot, the providence of God. Because even though I, I didn't have a daddy to walk me down the aisle, I had a heavenly father that has walked by me every step of my life. And, and, and I think, I know that's, that was part of his plan. So whoever asked that question, <laughs> it hit home, sorry. <laughs> this last question is, um, Pastor Sandy, when you recognized the calling on your son's life to ministry, what were some practical ways that you helped him navigate that? Anything that you'd advise to parents with a young man called to ministry to do or not to do? Well, we didn't have any expectation in our family for the, the boys to be pastors. I mean, that, that was never, I never wanted to put that pressure on them. I mean, um, we obviously looked at being a pastor as a noble calling, but we didn't uh, expect anything out of, out of them. That was their own decision and what they, what they God, we felt like God, we, they felt like God was calling them to do. 
Um, I know with my, with, I have one son who is a pastor. I have two sons that are not. The one son that is the pastor, I know in the beginning he struggled um, as he felt called by God to, to go into the ministry. He felt his struggle was, am I doing this just because my dad is a pastor or am I doing this because I re- I'm really called? And he, he kept struggling with the idea that, that uh, he wanted to be a pastor only because his dad's a pastor or only because he was in the pastor's family. And uh, we had uh, John Corson come to one of our conferences one year and uh, Zach begged me. He said, Daddy, I want to take John to the airport. I want to take John to the airport. I said, Zach, whatever you do, don't kill John or something. <laughs> whatever you do, get him to I know the all airport. About speeding tickets. Don't get a ticket. Don't, don't do, do Clean up your car before you put him in it. You know, do, do. So I let him take him to the airport. And evidently, as the conversation went, uh, Zach looks back on it now, and he, he, it was a turning point in his life. Uh, John, John told him, said, Zach, you think that you want to be a pastor because you've grown up in a pastor's home. Have you ever thought that because God had called you to be a pastor, he put you in a pastor's home? Because that would be good training for you to be a pastor. And uh, just a change in the way of thinking was all that my son needed to kind of lay that reservation to rest. He felt confident in God's call. He knew that the reason he had grown up in a, God had called him to be a pastor before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. And what better way to be trained for it than to be raised in a pastor's home. And uh, he settled that issue in his own heart, in his own life, so. Well, I'd like to conclude with a, a word of prayer um, before we do. Uh, just want to mention any questions that you've asked. If they weren't answered, we're going to uh, be addressing them in the Friends and Family podcast from God's Way Radio. And um, so, you know, don't be disappointed. Just, you know, download that, that episode as soon as it comes out. Um, schools were mentioned a lot. We do have Lighthouse uh, uh, Ministry, uh, Lighthouse Homeschoolers Ministry here at the church. And uh, I was thinking when uh, Pastor Sandy was talking about how when Kathy had to drop off Zach in, in kinder, you know, maybe if you drop him off at Lighthouse, you'll only cry for an hour and a half instead of three he hours. Was at a Christian school. <laughs> half day Christian school. <laughs> so I'd encourage you if you have more questions about that, you can speak with Pastor George back there. And, um, and also, uh, if, if you haven't signed up for the men's retreat, it's coming around the corner. I'd encourage you to sign up for that as well. Um, but why don't we, uh, uh, Pastor Sandy, would you mind closing us with a word of prayer? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the parents that have participated today. We thank you for their kids. Lord, thank you for the, uh, the folks that have supervised the kids throughout the day. Lord, just we praise you for them and thank you for their uh, willingness to do it. And Lord, we pray for every family in the room. We pray that, uh, Lord, that these parents, Lord, would, would uh, be going home with a plan, with a purpose in mind. And Lord, I pray for their kids, Lord, that their kids would, uh, would embrace that purpose and that plan. And Lord, that as they, um, Lord, as they live life together, Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Lord, that you would uh, bless each family unit here today. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your word and thank you for its truth. 
And Lord, I pray for the parents that are leaving with questions or still going home to facing some big problems. Lord, I pray that you would go before them and that you would uh, give them the insights they need to work these things out. And Lord, that you would win the victory and that good things would happen uh, as a result of, of their perspective. Lord, we just pray that you give us all faith. Help us to trust you. You love us and you have a plan and purpose for us and we can depend on you. So we love you, Lord, and we trust in you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.